This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. I'm Helen Farmer. Great to have you with us on today's episode with it being crazy sale season. We were talking conscious spending over the holidays. Finance with Raji in the studio, talking pensions as expats and more. Also discussing the topic of OCD in relationships or relationship OCD. What's the difference? Dr. Sarah Rasmi was shedding some light, giving you an idea about where to go and where to walk this weekend. And in Pets and Vets, we had a behaviourist and a vet live in studio as we talked toileting, pulling, integrating cats and so much more. money matters this hour because consumption and Christmas often go hand in hand. It is so easy to overspend at this time of the year without realising it. So we're having a financial health checkup with Finance with Raji, who's on hand to answer your questions between now and three. She's a British Bank Awards finalist and advises anyone and everyone on managing their money and investing in the stock market, even if you think that's something that other people do. We're demystifying today. There's no such thing as a silly question. If you've ever wanted clarity on terms or indeed you want to share your tips on saving and spending, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch on the usual channels and you can be anonymous if you prefer. You spend your time between the UK and here. It's lovely to have you in studio. How are you, Raji? I am very well, thank you. And thank you for having me. My pleasure. It it, it couldn't come at a better time because um, I keep on buying presents for people and forgetting that I've bought them and then buying more presents. <laughs> so just this morning, I spent 10 minutes going through, I don't think my kids are listening, going through the bottom of my wardrobe <laughs> and making a note of what I have indeed bought. Yeah, no, you know, I think it's, you're not alone in that, Helen, because I've heard this like so many times from others as well. And um, I always say it's the first thing is, you know, it's, it's just really good to have like a list, like just write it down as much as old school that is mm-hmm. or if you want to you know get a bit bit tech savvy just write that on your notes or something in your phone but just write that down and just say uh, you know just keep a tab of whom you've bought that for and I think that really helps and it really does make a difference it just takes a few seconds yeah. you just have that list okay yeah I'm I know I'm you, feeling you, a little bit more but, in, in control but this morning <laughs> I was like I've already bought her a present what am I doing so anyway tell us a little bit about you what made yeah. you want to become a financial educator? Well, so my story goes back all the way to about like seven years ago, I would say. Um, um, I I was just frustrated that no one was talking about money. And um, I made my own mistakes. You know, we can definitely talk about that Go later on. on. No, uh, I wanna, <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. What's your, I don't want to say regret because obviously it's, given you a, a, a learning that's got you here, but mm. something that you kind of cringe about when you're in your past? I think it's um, the first, first, first one that comes to me is actually going for um, an insurance slash investment policy, which is really sad that it still happens today. So many people still fall onto it. And um, that was my mistake. So you were sold a product that you didn't need? Yes, exactly. And uh, it was sold in such a way that it sounded like it was a great product and that I needed it. And I was like, perfect. This is exactly what I'm looking for. But I just fell for the marketing. And had I really run my numbers, I would have realized that 
that was the wrong one. I think what that really speaks to is something that a lot of people will feel listening today is that finance can feel quite exclusive sometimes. You know, there's terms, there's jargon, and it's very much a choice to educate yourself on that because so many people go, do you know what? There are people who've got far more experience than me and I'm going to trust them and I'm going to give them my money and they can handle it. And, and that's I, exactly how I thought. That's exactly what I thought. You just like, literally spit it out <laughs> word by word. <laughs> but the, and, and I don't mean to make any generalizations about everyone listening today or indeed myself. There are very few of us who have got such complex financial situations mm. where we need yes. someone to handle it for us. Exactly. Exactly. And I think um, it, it's important to say that, you know, before we take that blame on ourselves as well, it's important to recognize that while the system is, you know, unfortunately set up in such a way that it is made to look complex. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, many people benefit out of it. Absolutely. And it's just really having that realization first and then thinking, okay, I can actually do it. It's not as complex. It's not as as difficult as it seems. It is made to look difficult. There's a lot of jargons, and obviously, as soon as anyone sees a jo- you know any jargon, we just we just completely zone out. Mm-hmm. But it's just taking that and you know having that understanding or recognizing that it is the system in such a put it such in such a way that we can you know everybody falls for it. Mm-hmm. And if I recognize that, and if I can take some time out to just learn about it, I can very easily, you know, I or anyone else can very easily get hold of their own finance. And like you said, not everyone really need that financial advisor. Very few. Very few. You definitely do. There's a place, there's definitely a place for financial advisors. Just like how you rightly put, Helen, when your financial financial situation is really complex, if you've been living in multiple countries or you have inheritance issues or, you know, those complex issues, that's when you definitely need to go and speak to a financial advisor. And speak to someone who is going to perhaps charge by the hour or by a project yes. rather than percentages. Very good point. I mean, that's another you know important thing to keep in mind because um, you do not need someone who would take a percentage of your portfolio. You need to go to someone who would actually give you advice by the hour so mm-hmm. basically you're just paying for that for, for their time yeah for expertise so, yeah exactly so which which means they are not selling you any product and they don't have to do that because you are paying them mm-hmm. right we've got questions coming in for you um we've had a message saying any advice when one spouse is a spender and the other is a saver message saying would love some advice on pensions, given I'm late 40s and no pension in place. We can definitely help with that. We're also going to be talking about the holiday season. It's the sales. And if your email inbox is anything like mine, you're probably feeling quite tempted right now. She's known as Finance with Raji on Instagram. A money educator goes between the UK and indeed here brought up in Dubai and we've stolen her away for a money clinic this afternoon. A bit of an end of year financial health check and of course answering any questions you might have. Message here saying, I'd love to know her insights for good pension plan given I'm late 40s and no pension in place. It's a bit of a different one when you're an expat. Yeah. Um, what would your immediate thoughts be there, Raji? 
Um, so there's no such thing as a, like a pension plan in UAE, of course, unless you're going for one of those insurance uh, slash investment policies. Please don't go for that uh, once again. But, um, you know, like, unlike, unlike what we have in the West, especially like in the UK, where we can uh, put, our, you know, like a some amount of money into a self-invested pension plan, there's no such thing here. But what you can do is you can just put that money aside manually by yourself um, into um, into a fund, into something long term. So invest that for the long term. So um, for this particular person, what I would say is, if you can just start off by asking yourself, when do you want to retire? That's the first question that you need to know. And where. Yeah, and where, exactly, exactly, and where. Um, that will really help you to understand, right, what is the time frame that you have um, to actually start, in, um, start for your pension, so start saving up slash investing for your pension. And then um, based on that, you need to then look in, do some math and to find out what that number should be. So, so it's a kind of a, a bit of a reverse engineer. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And in terms of where to keep that money, um, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to say my, you know, we, I have mine like a long term investment fund that yeah. I can technically touch, but I don't, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, is it safer to keep things offshore? Do you recommend, you know, places like Sawa or what, what's what's worked for you and clients in the past, Raji? So if you are living in, in the UAE, then it's, it's it's easier for you to just put that into, um, you know, some uh, place like Sawa or even um, another a really good one is Interactive Brokers. So um, use one of these platforms. Um, both of them have a different style. Um, Sawa is a bit, you know, basically helps um, you with a little bit more, whereas the other one is more of a DIY you do it yourself mm-hmm. so it's a little more hand holding so if that's what you think that you need then um, definitely go with them and um, yeah start off from there that's what I would say and start getting those payments automated exactly. every month exactly it's it's really hard to say you should be putting X amount of your salary towards your pension because you say you know whether you're retiring in Dubai or you know Bali you know and again when it's not long gone are the days where you retire at 55. I think a lot of us are going to be working into our 70s, I suspect. Um, can we talk holiday season? Because many of us, <clears throat> she says, looking at herself in the reflection of the booth, <laughs> can overspend on gifts and celebrations. What are the common pitfalls that you've seen in the past? First thing is definitely overspending and not having a budget. Um, I think um, one of the things that I've noticed is when many people like overspend our budget is they don't tend to keep aside a pot of money like separately. Mm-hmm. I feel like they just have that. They just use maybe like a card or like a debit card or an account where they just have like a stash of money there and they just think, right, I'm just going to spend from this maybe, I don't know, like 1500 or 2000 or whatever that is. And um, they just don't realize or or rely on credit cards. They just keep swiping. And that it's it just adds up very, very quickly before you know it. Whereas if you can just keep I you know, one of the things that I always say is it's really good to have like a separate debit card or something or like a, an account where you've just transferred your budget to that particular credit card. I'm sorry, debit card. And just use that card for all your um, Christmas shopping um, because that that really helps you keep a track of it. Mm-hmm. Or even better, again, going back very old school, cash. Take that money out and s- spend it like physically. And that it, it, it's just that, you know, like 
mental switch. It's, it's really there. That's that mental game that really helps you to actually keep a track of it. You're now seeing that money go and you're keeping a track of it. And that really helps you go back and just check, okay, am I on track? Am I not on track? And accordingly tweak. You can find Finance with Raji on Instagram, some great resources, even free ebooks and more. So hop on over. Talking Money Matters with Finance with Raji. She's in the studio. We've just been talking about pension options and joining us live on the line to save me doing some research that I was doing during the news. Joshua Decker is with us. He's an employment lawyer. Tell us about what the latest is here in the UAE when it comes to retirement funds, Joshua. Yeah, well, it's it's decision 96 of 2023, and it's an, it's an opt-in program by your employer. So the the employer has to choose to do this rather than the um, regular end-of-service gratuity scheme. So it's an alternative to that. And and each month, the employer um, will contribute 5.83% of the employee's base salary um, if the employee is under five years. If the employee is over five years with the company, then it's 8.33%. And I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of people listening today going, Joshua, that sounds great. Um, is this something that needs to come from the employer or as an employee, is this something you can petition for and say, this is something I'm really interested in? How much power do we have as an employee to, to take this forward? Well, it, uh, it's always a good idea for an employee to, to raise the issue. If, if, if you feel there's a good opportunity to do that, uh, I think uh, ultimately things will transition more and more that way, away from the end of service gratuity. That's just me speculating. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, definitely. I think this is it's going to be helpful for employers, uh, especially because now if they do opt into this scheme, they won't have to worry about paying out some of those large lump sum mm-hmm. um, end of service uh, af- as an employee leaves. And I'm sure you've had this many a time as, a, as an employment lawyer, people saying, I just simply haven't had my end of service or this company's gone bust and saying they can't pay me because... Yeah, you might have a lot of people leaving at the same time and the money simply not being in the pot. Is this for Emiratis and expats? What do we need to know about eligibility? Um, eligibility, yeah. It's, uh, so so um, Emirati will have their, their, their system in place already, the pension program that, that they have. Um, so this will definitely be for, for expats, yes. Joshua, thank you so much for your insights. As I said, I was was Googling during the headlines and you just came to my rescue with the latest information. So thank you so (laughs) much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Have a good afternoon, sir. Finance with Raji in the studio. We are talking money matters and a bit of an end of year health check. It is... Raji, a traditional time in January to go, do you know what? I am going to change my ways. Come midnight, I'm going to be a better person, fitter, with more discipline. And shocker, we are the same person as we were five minutes before midnight. What are some of the things that we can be doing now to perhaps put some good practices in place for the year end and going into 2024 as well? Yeah, Helen, I would say definitely don't wait till January definitely get started now and what you can do now is actually just look at what your savings and spendings or what your you know your incomings and outgoings were like in this one year and trust me this is something I do it every year and um and it's 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 um it's always eye-opening it's it's definitely eye-opening it's it's actually it's something that you have to take some time out 
And if you can take that time out on a weekend, just a good two to three hours, it really helps you understand where you stand, really helps you, okay, how much have I really spent over this entire, like the, the, the past oh, 365 days? It makes me feel nauseous. I know, I know, but... Trust me, just trust me on this. Knowledge you, is power. Exactly. Like if you did that by yourself, you wouldn't need anyone else. You don't need someone externally to come and tell you, you need to do this, you need to do that. Mm-hmm. Because even when I work with clients and when they do their budgeting and then they come back to me, you know, they look at their uh, spendings and all of that. I don't have to look at their budget and tell them this is where you could optimize. When they do that by themselves, they come to me and you know I just ask them, "Where do you think you need to optimize?" and they already have an answer. They're like, "Raji, I think this is where I can really do well." So, if you can take that time, it, it, I'm not going to lie, it might sound scary because you're like, "Oh my god, what that's going to lo- look like." But how would you feel if you can start 2024 on a great note mm-hmm. and by the end of 2024 you are on track to achieve some of your goals? What does that look like? If you want Raji's details, just send me the word money. I've had a number of you asking for her Instagram. Be happy to share it. Rob saying, any apps you recommend for easy budgeting? What works for you? And are there any apps that you think work particularly well? So, um, so we've unfortunately had some of um, like good apps closing down. So that's that's been going on. But in the region, uh, one of them that's now standing out is Wally. Yep. So, um, which I, because I've used that, I've kind of like, you know, just dabbled around that I would I would actually um, suggest that I haven't really used the others and like I said some of them have closed down some of them have stopped working in the region as well but in my opinion Wally's quite good because it really helps you automate a lot of your finances I think the best app's going to be the one that you actually use exactly (laughs) if it's going to be you know difficult or whatever method it's going to be the most effective for you you know, because you know you might enjoy Excel spreadsheets. They, frankly, are a big turnoff for me. So whatever mm. works for you is yeah. going to be the one that you're going to stick with. I'm um, loving to get your insights on this. Eric saying, saving money this season, we're doing a charity donation instead of sending Christmas cards and doing emails instead, which is better for the planet. Yes, indeed. Um, Jerry saying, I buy things like advent calendars, crackers in the post-Christmas sales, and then buy presents through the year. The food bill, however, is always a shocker. It's always just a couple of days, but the price always seems astronomical. I've noticed it more in the UK than here. People going around the supermarket, like as if there's going to be some kind of apocalypse, like, you know, two trolleys. Like, How many people have you got coming for Christmas? Calm down. Um, Gina says it's the extras that add up. It is actually when we're thinking about Mm -hmm. having a budget. Teacher gifts, cutlery we're buying because she says we're hosting. Uh, Mansour says, are there any Black Friday sales going on credit card debt? (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) I'm going to send you Raji's details. Um, I want to ask you this message. It's coming from Kay saying, um, hi, both. Any advice when one spouse is a spender and the other is a saver? We earn roughly the same, have joint spending and saving pots. We're in our late 20s. Now, I don't know if Kay is the male or the female, the saver or the spender. Um, so we're going to try and keep advice pretty neutral. But I'm sure you work with a lot of couples, yeah. both here and in, in the UK, across a whole range of budgets, actually. What do you, how can you manage that when you've got different st- spending philosophies, I guess? Firstly, that's not a bad thing because one of you is a saver and it's only the other one who is a spender. Because imagine if both of you were you know, both best spenders, that would have been really difficult. Mm. So it's really being able to actually meet in the middle ground. So um, having that conversation, I know this is, you know, this is like everyone knows, but really, really sitting down and working out 
a plan, a budget where both the parties are happy. And I think it's really important to emphasize that it's not one person's way it's not your way or my mm. way it's 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 a you know we, both of you are trying to find a middle ground so if the person the spender wants to spend on things right how much do you want to spend what makes you happy and take it step by step if you are spending um i'm giving just random numbers here but let's say if you're spending 10,000 rooms per month right can we maybe aim to get that down to 5,000. So shared, a, shared goals. Exactly. I am a firm believer, and I think um, Ramit Sethi, who I love, yes, um, has said this before, that one of the most impactful decisions you can make on your wealth and future wealth is who you choose to marry. Yeah. And I do believe that to be true. I exactly. Really do. And I think as a couple, you need to think of like as, as a team, and even when it comes to money, I know so many of um, them don't feel that way. You can keep, you know, you can definitely choose to keep your finances separate but having that conversation and thinking of this wealth building process as as a team Mm -hmm. would really help and having a conversation is really really important it's not it's not pointing fingers but just think how can we actually find a solution to it where can we find the middle ground Thank you so much for your time today. We have run out of time. Um, You're in Dubai for just a few more days, but you work with couples, individuals, remotely all over the world. Um, It's Finance with Raji. Um, As I said, some great resources. You've got your free ebook. You're talking about investing for beginners. So if anyone is looking to educate themselves, um, couldn't uh, couldn't recommend a better website. So head over to Finance with Raji. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. Happy holidays. You too. I'm going to keep myself accountable. I'll be messaging you later. Yes, I'm going to ask you as well. (laughs) Helen, are you deleting the marketing emails on Black Friday. I'm trying, I'm trying. (laughs) I think it's fair to say that relationships can be the cornerstones of our lives. However, for some people, these very relationships can turn into sources of doubt, of anxiety and unrelenting obsession. This condition now has a name, Relationship OCD, or ROCD, and it can wreak havoc on your love life and those around you. To explore this topic and, of course, take any questions you might have on it, Dr. Sarah Rasmi joining us live, Licensed Psychologist and Managing Director at Thrive Wellbeing Centre. Dr. Sarah, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am intrigued, is how I am, um, because I always find it interesting when we come to label something a behavior or a pattern we might have noticed in ourselves or in someone else. And it allows you to open it up and offer some help on this topic. So tell us a little bit about some of the obsessive compulsive behaviors that can ultimately center around romantic relationships in particular. Sure. So when it comes to relationship OCD, basically what we see is that a person has very persistent and consistent and also distressing doubts about their relationship. And those doubts tend to center on two things. One of them is the relationship itself. So is this the right person? Is this the one? And the other one on the specific partner. Mm -hmm. So constantly worrying and fixating on is he or she attractive? Is he or she smart enough? Is he or she a sociable person. And so when you have all of these doubts, what ends up happening is you engage in certain compulsions or behaviors to alleviate those doubts. You might spend a lot of time perusing the internet for lists on how to find and make sure that you have the perfect match. 
uh, or you might spend a lot of time engaging with people in your circle, talking with them about all of your doubts and questions, or you might spend a lot of time in your own head, constantly scanning the environment like, oh, he seems pretty smart compared to this person, but ooh, not so much next to this oh one. Oh my gosh, this sounds exhausting, not only for the person who has this, but for those around them, because I think as a friend, I'd have quite limited patience. I'd be like, you're in or you're out. You like them or you don't. Um, but why why does this happen? Are there certain people or personality traits or perhaps past experiences that would lead to, I mean, is it a diagnosis of relationship OCD, but would, would, would lead to these behaviours? So it's a manifestation of OCD more broadly, but what we're finding typically in the literature is that it tends to occur in specific moments. So it tends to rear its head when people are contemplating entering into a relationship, especially for those people who are a little bit more relationship-centered in their doubts. But it also happens with people at key milestones. So people are more likely to engage in this pattern when they are ramping up their commitment. Maybe they're thinking about getting engaged and getting married. Maybe they're transitioning to, to parenthood. So times that already have a lot of questions and uncertainty are the breeding ground for this to transpire. Can it also tip into OCD fears about infidelity, you know, paranoia about someone being unfaithful? Absolutely. So people can definitely focus and become preoccupied with this question mark of, is my partner faithful? And then engaging in a lot of that checking behavior to alleviate those fears, like constantly scanning their social media to see who they're engaging with, or really monitoring their facial expressions and their gaze when they're out in public to see who they're looking at and for how long, as two examples. Now, this sounds exhausting for the person going through it, but I think as a partner as well, I think that must be a real struggle. Does these kind of behaviors not just push people away, Dr. Sarah? Yes, it, it definitely can be exhausting for the partner, especially when the person experiencing the relationship OCD is sharing what they're going through. And this doesn't always happen. Sometimes the person suffers, if you will, in silence or tends to share what's going on with people outside of the relationship. Mm-hmm. However, you can still pick up on it, even if you're not overtly hearing it. And also what what can happen is if you're, you know, constantly ha- uh, having to answer questions or uh, give reassurance or being peppered with allegations, it can detract from the relationship satisfaction, potentially starting a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking you a thousand times, are you faithful? And you're getting tired, but I don't realize you're getting tired and your hesitation is being interpreted as, okay, yeah, definitely not faithful. Well, that's what I was starting to think about kind of what some people call confirmation bias. If you are doubting that someone's right for you, and let's use that example of, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. think that person's attractive enough. And you start looking for these traits of, Uh oh, you know, he or she is messy or, you know, I don't like the clothes they wear or, you know, some of the, you know, personal hygiene. Once you start looking for things, guess what? You're going to find them. them. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. We are going to talk about what to do next. Dr. Sarah Rasmich joining us this afternoon from Thrive Wellbeing Centre, where she's managing director and a licensed psychologist. We're unpacking a term that I was unfamiliar with 
by name, but not by behaviour, relationship OCD. Dr. Sarah Rasmi with us today, licensed psychologist, managing director at the Thrive Wellbeing Centre. Obsessive compulsive behaviours that centre around romantic partnerships in particular. Um, I wanted to ask you, Dr. Sarah, we talked about how these behaviours can affect a relationship and can often push someone away. But how do you address any concerns when, and let's say it's your own behavior to begin with? So one of the first things that we want to do is recognize and identify. So become aware of what our triggers are and what compulsive behavior we're engaging in to alleviate. So for example, if we know that we go down a deep, dark rabbit hole looking for a list of the perfect partner on the internet, then that is very, very helpful information for us to have. Once we have the information, what we want to do is try to reduce how much time we spend practicing those compulsions. So one of the things can be help- that can be helpful rather than going for an all or nothing approach, like I will never check for information on the internet again, allocating yourself a small period of time during the day or during the week where you give yourself permission to engage in this behavior, but in a contained way and then slowly kind of decreasing that over time. And another thing that's really important is that when we are experiencing relationship OCD, we're not really enjoying our relationship. And so trying to be a little bit more present and more mindful with our partner and with what we're doing, drawing our attention to the good things and the things that are counter to our our fears um, and immersing ourselves in the sensory experiences of what we're doing with our partner can be a good way to start too. What if it is your partner who is displaying some of these traits? Because would they recognize it in themselves? Would they appreciate having this pointed out? Well, it really depends on on how it's pointed out. So if it's coming from a place of noticing and drawing the person's attention to it in a compassionate and non-judgmental way, that is going to be much better received than if it's coming across in a harsh and critical way. Mm -hmm. And I would say if you are the partner on the receiving end of it, um, gently drawing the attention and asking what kind of support your partner needs to kind of move through with some of the strategies that I talked about and working together as a team to kind of get on track can be a, a good technique to tackle it as a partnership. I wanted to come to the text line. We've had a message here which says, not relationship OCD, but maybe OCD in a relationship. Um, Gentleman listener saying, my wife is always early, extremely early, and seems to have anxiety around time. Always rushing me and the kids to be getting ready for school, embarrassing people by turning up at their homes before they're ready for guests, etc. She has always been like this, but I'm sure it's getting worse. Quite frankly, I'm sick of it. It creates a stressful environment every single day. There are other things going on. It's far from a perfect relationship, but this is one core issue that impacts everything else. I know you can't give a diagnosis of OCD from one text message, but any advice to this listener? Because it sounds, as he says, it's creating a really stressful environment for the family in the home and the relationship. 
yes, absolutely. I can hear that, and I can imagine for the 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 wife that it's distressful uh, as well. So I would just be really curious about where it's coming from, what punctuality means. Maybe it has like a historical significance um, that we can explore. Maybe there's a fear that if I'm not punctual, I'm going to be perceived as not being responsible. For example, um, maybe the uncertainty or ambiguity of making it somewhere on time is really overwhelming. And by being super early, it alleviates some of that. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of different questions uh, that I would ask to try to understand where this is coming from. And based on those responses, figure out an action plan. And part of that might be going um, to those places separately. Interesting. I thought of you the other day. Um, I read an article which was talking about lateness, conversely to this message, um, saying it was talking about valuing people's time um, and how a lot of people interpret lateness as rudeness and, and not valuing the other person's. And it was someone who was saying, I am always late, but I think it's because I'm an optimist. <laughs> and they were saying, that, <laughs> you know, I, I just always think that traffic won't affect me and that everything's going to be absolutely fine. And I was like, isn't that interesting? I've never thought about it from that perspective before, just thinking, well, of course, everything's going to be absolutely okay. Yeah. So it just it is can be very useful to think about different perspectives in, in all sorts of different situations. Now, coming back to relationship OCD, um, in terms of, is it professional treatment? Is there any anything specific that you would advise um, as a psychologist, Dr. Sarah? So what a lot of clinicians are doing to assist clients that are struggling with this is utilizing cognitive behavioral therapy tools. So in some cases, that might look like listing out pros and cons. In other cases, that might be some cognitive restructuring. So trying to challenge the rationality of some of the ideas that are fueling the compulsion. So I would say therapy can definitely be indicated, and we're finding that CBT is a useful modality for addressing some of these underlying challenges. Dr. Sarah Rasmi, thank you so much for your time. Um, I always love to hear a new term, makes us think about the world in a different way and makes sense of it as well. So thank you. Really, really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you very soon. In the meantime, you can find Dr. Sarah Rasmi at Thrive Wellbeing Centre. If you are looking for a community, if you're looking for things to do this weekend, we are on hand. It is your very last chance to take part in Dubai Fitness Challenge. It's the annual fitness initiative as a highness, Sheikh Hamdan bin Rashid Al Maktoum, the Crown Prince of Dubai, the Chairman and Executive Council of Dubai. And maybe we can help you out with the last push. 30-minute walk. That's all you need to do. It's 30 minutes every single day for 30 days. So get out. Free fitness villages, events, classes, activities and more. And introducing you now to Farah. She started Girls Who Walk Dubai. It is, as the name suggests, a walking club for women. Farah, it's great to catch up. How are you? I'm good, Helen. Thank you so much for having me. How are you today? I'm well. I thought of you because I think... My goodness, the weather's amazing. What's going on with the girls who walk Dubai? Because last time we caught up, you were treading the tiles of the mall. Are you back outside now? Yes, we are. You got that right. So um, we're back every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. at Fields by the Beach. It's a lovely morning walk where girls gather up, they get their boost shakes or coffees, and then we start walking and connecting with each other. 
Tell us about the initial mission for Girls Who Walk Dubai. Why did you feel like there was something missing? So, as you know, I started back in January of this year. I left my job to stay with my newborn baby. And I felt the need to stay connected uh, with other ladies, new mothers, to kind of share our feelings and um, stay on top of things. So I attended a few networking events, but I felt like they were too rigid, inflexible, or too formal. Um, and it made me feel uncomfortable. So I started also looking at communities, sports communities, but I can only find either biking or running. And there was no walking club. So... I would call up my friends. I said, you know, who is up for a walk today in sunset time? What started as a WhatsApp group with my friends, with a couple of girls, grew quickly into a community of over 8,000 followers on Instagram, girls who walk Dubai, as you now know it. And this weekend, well, actually, every time you have almost like a guest speaker, someone who's there to share their stories, impart some knowledge, to spark some conversations. Who do you have um, this coming Sunday? I have a couple of lovely ladies, actually. One of them is called Jess. She's a, a practicing nutritionist. And uh, I have another lady called Aya, who's actually a TEDx speaker and the founder of Bold Consultancy Company. So every Sunday, I try to invite a couple of ladies to come and share their insights and journeys for a couple of minutes at the beginning. And then we walk together and get to network even more. Um, it's completely free. It's very casual, laid back. You can bring your babies and kids. Um, so I, I guess I just wanted to make sure that women feel comfortable. So ladies, if you're listening, <laughs> please join us this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Is it free? I've had a message here from uh, Alia. <laughs> so in terms Is it free? Yes, it, yes, it's free. It's completely free. And in terms of registration, just to help manage your numbers and how many people you should be expecting Sunday morning, do people need to register, for? Yeah, uh, if they can just go on the Instagram page and sign up through there and they're good to go. Amazing. Thank you so much. Lovely to see that you're out and about and bringing people together at a time when I think community and connection has never been so needed. So it is Girls Who Walk Dubai, completely free this Sunday morning. Kids are welcome. Get some vitamin D, maybe make some new friends. And uh, Farah, thank you for all that you do and bringing people together. Really, really appreciate your time this afternoon. Enjoy Sunday morning. Take care. (laughs) Bye now. You're listening to Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With ProPlan, where the number one ingredient is always high-quality salmon, lamb, turkey and chicken. Joining us live in studio from Vets and Pets, Dr Vito. And we've also got Anna as well. Anna Neva is a behaviourist. Dr Vito, I feel like we should start with some congratulations. Which award have you just won, sir? Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> he said blushing, <laughs> quietly dying inside. But, yeah, well, apparently uh, been awarded as a favourite vet in UAE. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Maverick, that's that lovely really nice. news. That was really, thank you very much. You thank are you. so welcome. Well, I'm really glad you're both here because we have a cat conundrum at our house. So we have two dogs, as you know. And over the weekend, heard from the garage, meow, <laughs> meow. And then it was getting more like, meow. <laughs> and we realised that we have been chosen by a kitten. Yeah, we have adopted. No, no. You've you been adopted. No, it's not <laughs> happening. It is a temporary situation, Dr. Vito. Um, we've called him Gary. 
because he lives in the garage. <laughs> um, I'm going to hold up my hands. He's about this old. What would you say that is? Mm. Probably, you know. Two months? Yeah, two months, I would say. Two yeah. months. Super cute, getting a bit braver. And yes, maybe we have made a mistake by putting out some food and water. It was the storms last named week. Him. Named him Gary, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gary the garage cat. Um, I don't want this to be a permanent situation because one of our dogs is making it very clear that she doesn't want a new addition. So I'm, I guess my question is to anyone else that finds this where a cat, and we've had this in the past where a cat has turned up in our car engine in the garage, and I was particularly mindful because how bad the storms were last week of you know keeping that little guy safe. What should we do? Well, uh, okay. First of all, to, we have to make sure that uh, Gary is uh, is uh, is healthy. Okay, and um, um, I think uh, you know if you reach the age of two months, or what this is what we guesstimate, uh, we should uh, probably vaccinate him. Okay, at least to give him a good start in life. And uh, well, um, and if you can uh, stay around, I still hope so. But you know, if you can stay around, obviously we should uh, we should try to to you know to put him for adoption. But once you vaccinate him and you put him on some uh, uh, some uh, I would say package with uh, you know uh, uh, providing eventually for the future owner already um, a castration or a neutering. I think mm-hmm. it's more appealing, you know, and it's you know you give him you know a good uh, good chance you know to be to be adopted. You know we're neighbours, right? You know that Gary is just as much your cat as he is mine, and I oh, might well. bring him up to see you. <laughs> Absolutely, you're most How welcome. How do I capture Gary? Uh, well, I think first you have to uh, gain his trust, you know, and I think uh, with cats, uh, the trust goes through the stomach, I think. Mm-hmm. So obviously, step by step. It's costing understand- me a small fortune, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> you will understand that it's, uh, say, but I think probably, you know, uh, Anna, <laughs> Anna, Anna Neva here is, uh, is a better, better uh, you know, a better expert to uh, suggest. You're you saying gain his trust. This mm-hmm. sounds like he's becoming my cat. I'm allergic yeah. <laughs> and I don't want a cat. <laughs> okay, right. I'm bringing him to see you. Absolutely. Okay. Most welcome. All right. Um, we have actually got a bit of a cat special going on. We've had loads of messages on this topic and we're going to be talking, as we said, around some toileting issues in just a few minutes. But joining us on the line now is Gino. Gino, tell us a little bit about what's going on with, with your cat and, and your concern that we can help with this afternoon. Uh, what's going on exactly is just I want to know how do I get my cat to socialize with others, other cats? How do I slowly uh, do that? Is this a cat that you're introducing to the family home or is it just like a, a neighborhood hang that you want to do? Uh, I didn't get you. Is this because you're introducing a new cat to the home or do you just want your cat to be more sociable? No, we want the cat to be more sociable because the cat is the, it's not it's not a new to the home. No, I'm I'm no vet, but I've been doing this show for a while, and I suspect your cat probably just doesn't want to be sociable. <laughs> Anna, what would you say? Oh, is she, it- she's very she's very sociable. She's just like very friendly. Everything around the house with everybody, but to be able to do that with other cats. Ah, oh, see. Yeah, so um, I have just one question. So, but do you uh, want to do that one because in the future you would like to adopt another one, so to provide a companion to this cat, or is just because in your idea will be nice for him to have, uh, I don't know, cats friends? Yeah, 
cat. You have a cat friend and the possibility of adopting another cat also. Okay, so if this one is the we're king... In, we're in love with cats anyway. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so, um, for the cats, is a little bit uh, particular the situation, so it's not uh, always super easy to introduce a cat to another one. But can be done. And the result can be uh, to become best friends. That is what we always hope. Or they can just uh, live in the same environment, also ignoring each other. And uh, also that yeah. one is something that can happen. Because not basically, all the cats... Uh, yeah? Basically outside in a cat park, for example. Mm-hmm. In the park. So just like, just leave her to do, uh, do whatever she wants and all that. Okay. But remember that the cat is not a dog. So don't no, don't no, be no. confused about that one. So cats are cats, dogs are dogs. Yeah, so going in no, the park. No, no, I, mm. I'm sure I can tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But in any case, um, yeah, so just just try to see how is her reaction or his reaction when he is yeah. seeing the other cats and uh, don't push Nothing. So he has to decide or she has to decide. Yeah. And uh, yes, and then let's That's, see yeah, because... Yeah, yeah, we have it, to decide. Exactly, exactly. We get this question a lot, Gina. Thank you so, so much about, you know, is my cat lonely? Does my cat want a friend? And often the answer is, they're all right. Thanks very much. <laughs> they're quite independent. Whereas dogs often do need... A little pal. Um, Gina, thank you so much for getting in touch. Um, and if you are thinking about integrating a cat into your home in the immediate future, we can obviously offer up some advice on that. In the studio, we have got Anna and Dr. Vito joining us from Vets and Pets. This is Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With ProPlan. Joining us in studio this afternoon, Anna, behaviourist and Dr. Vito from Vets and Pets. And... It always comes back to poop, I'm afraid. We're talking toileting. Um, Anna, when should you start to seek some specialist advice if the training isn't coming together or there's been a regression on the urination and the defecation inside the home? But we are talking, we have to um, specify that uh, if we are talking about dogs, there's a training that we have to do. If we are talking about cats, it's something different because normally they immediately will use the litter tray that we will provide for them. Is instinct. The important thing for cats, for example, is to find the correct litter. This one sometimes can be cause this kind of behavior from them. Because they're quite particular. Yes, it has to be more similar of what they will choose in the nature. Okay. So um, I, there are some... A litter that are absolutely far from this kind of um, of um, material that uh, most of the time are the cause of this kind of behavior and uh, is enough sometimes changing that one to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. So and also there are other reasons because they are doing that one with the dogs. Um, we have to train them. We can start when they are puppies and we have to be very patient because they are puppies. And uh, at the beginning, they have to make them business really a lot of time, day and night. So at the beginning, a little bit of patience. It's like having a newborn baby. Exactly, exactly. But we don't have the pampers to change. <laughs> we do have puppy pads, though. Yeah. If someone is getting a puppy, and I think fostering is a, um, and adopting an old dog is a, is a slightly different issue, but if someone is getting a younger dog, 
what would be some of the things you'd be putting in place from the beginning, Anna, to make sure some really good habits are started around toileting? Okay, so normally uh, also it depends on the size but and on the opportunity that have the family because if they are living in an apartment, for sure it's very difficult to go out every time and deciding, okay, now I'm providing the food. I know that in half an hour, 40 minutes, he will need to go mm-hmm. and I take it out. So, But if you have a garden, you can start with the garden, for example. In the house, what we are using normally is the puppy train that are um, like uh, like mats made in the material that is absorbing the, the urine, etc. And we can, we can use that one. We can start with that one. And please, please, please use the positive reinforce. Instead of don't punish the, the puppy if he's not using the correct uh, thing that we are providing him. Absolutely no, because they can become scared of peeing and pooping. Mm-hmm. And then they will start to do that on and hiding and you will never find where he's pooping or peeing. So better always positive reinforce when he's doing what we want. Super good party. When he's not, just ignore. Clean and that's it. We've had a message here saying we're getting a very young Maltese puppy and I'd like some advice on um, basic obedience and potty training. Is the training better or faster than at a centre or should we get trainers to come to our house? Is one quicker or better than the other? And are there other tips about the early adoption or onboarding process? Great question. Yes, great question. So um, when they are so young and in any case, it's good to go to the centres just for the socialisation. But for the training, the basic training, etc., is always better to go at home because you have to work with the family. I was going to say it's about training the humans as much as the exactly, dogs. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like that one because you are not there all the time, and uh, you have to create a relationship between the owners and the puppy to have the results that you want to have. And presumably at home as well, you're going to have, you know, the doorbell going or the gate or the opportunities to go to the toilet. So it's yeah. having it integrated into that day-to-day life. Uh, exactly. It's, like, it's exactly like that one. So you have to go to the place where he's leaving the puppy and the family also to provide these kind of services mm-hmm. and to help in the normal life. Because uh, the dog is not only when he's going outside, he's a normal life, he's a member of the family, he's uh, sharing with us all the time. Okay. So is uh, is that one. Good luck, Bilal, with the new edition. We've got Theodore on the phone now. Theodore, how many cats do you have? Uh, we have five cats right now. Okay, we're talking names on the show today. Can you tell me all five names, please? Uh, one is uh, Lord Maximus the Grey. Other <laughs> 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 is... Uh, uh, Lady Annabella Minimal the Grey. <laughs> we have one that is called Sheikh Dubai. Oh, uh, he also has a grey surname. <laughs> and then we have one more, which is uh, Leah. I mean, they all have uh, long-winded names, but yeah, we don't need to go into that. I, well, thank <laughs> you for sharing that. Um, I love a name. Um, tell us a little bit about what's going on in your house. What's your, what's your concern that Dr. Vito can help with today? Yeah, so two of the cats are now two years old. Three are kittens, less than a year old. And we every other day almost, we find some vomit on the ground. Uh, I think it's hairballs because there's a lot of hair in it slightly brownish but sometimes it's clear and there's no hair we were concerned we have no idea who is doing the puking because we don't see them mm-hmm. so concern here dr vito what would uh, your advice be to theodore and and uh, the, the, well, the happy five cats <laughs> well yes for with the multi-cats house a little bit difficult to uh, to identify the you know who is the 
uh, is the one that actually having uh, having gastrointestinal issue. Um, uh, it will be nice, uh, obviously, to uh, to try to. Um, um, to, to see which one it is, but if it's not possible, I would uh, uh, straight away uh, eventually change the change the food um, to something that is more uh, um, easy to digest. I would say, and if you think that indeed we have some herbals, um, uh, there are some products on the market that can actually help to reduce them and see if indeed uh, uh, that this uh, this will uh, will disappear. Um, unfortunately, when we speak about vomit, uh, uh, we have to distinguish two things. One is vomit. It can be linked to metabolic disorders. The other thing is a regurgitation, you know, which is not something that sometimes cats do and sometimes they, they provoke themselves, you know. Um, so, uh, and it's quite common, unfortunately, as a symptom to many things. So um, if this uh, um, carry on hap- uh, occurring after you change some f- the food, you put some sensitivity diet um I would probably suggest to uh, to have them check um, just to make sure that everything is okay. At least you know uh, a general uh, general checkup, and uh, eventually also to 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 have a, like a, a diary. I would say I would do with all your uh, kitties and check them uh, regularly um, for the weight and see if somebody is actually losing weight. You know, so just to try to find some uh, some clues because that is what we do at uh, sometimes at uh, in a clinic. Uh, You're a detective. We to, yeah, we are detective as well. You know, um, to see if somebody is over grooming themselves. So if you think that there are some, some, uh, some hairball, somebody must must uh, over groom. You know. So and then you can, uh, you know, we can uh, we can tackle the issue. All right, um, for those products regarding um, anti hairballs or any mm-hmm. any recommended diets, quickly for for Theodore and the team. Uh, yes, there is. Uh, there are a few uh, on the market. There are a few paste. You know okay. that you can be used. Uh, it can be used for uh, maximum three days. So and, bit bit of a checkup. Yeah. Look for the clues, keep a diary and maybe introduce some products as well. Yeah, and the diet. Theodore, yeah. thank you so much. All the very best. Keep us keep us posted on who the culprit is. Um, and uh, all the very best to you and the team. Great to hear from you. This is Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With ProPlan, groundbreaking science, life-changing nutrition. Joining us in studio from, confusingly, Vets and Pets, we have got behaviourist Anna and we've also got Dr Vito on hand to take your questions. Lorraine is on the line. Lorraine, tell me about your pet. What's their name and why? Um, well, a few of them is brown nose, for obvious reasons. He's my work cat. Does he, our, uh, does he have a brown nose? Our, <laughs> yes, he's our pest control. So I try not to name the cats until they develop a personality. Oh. So I've got, I've got Wonky, who's got a bad leg. And I've got Big Wobbly and Little Wobbly because they were um, had parvo and it neurologically affects them a little bit, so oh. their hips wobble. Oh. And, and I've got Monkey and I've got Dave. I and thought, I've got I thought Theodore Ralph had a lot of cat. Uh, how, Lorraine, how many are we talking in total here? Um, more than five. Oh, more than five. <laughs> Not that it's a competition but, on, on no. the cat collecting, but yeah. you'd be winning. <laughs> so. Um, a lot more than five, but I don't want to say because people sadly dump cats outside the villas and stuff. So well, you sound like an amazing pet parent and made even more brilliant Thank by you. the incredible names. Brown Nose, the cat with the brown nose. <laughs> is quite possibly my favourite. Lorraine, thank you so much. <laughs> Lovely to catch up with you. Uh, we've also got Rasha. Rasha, what's your pet called? I have Tripod. <laughs> he is a three-legged cat. I uh, rescued him I, I when he was six months old. Yeah, 
I'm so sorry. Initially, the, I shouldn't the, laugh, the but next, that's amazing. Oh, he is a naughty cat. He is fully active, is a happy cat, and, and you, you wouldn't even tell that he has three legs when he runs, only when he walks. When he walks, you could see, of course, that, you know, he's limping. But other than that, like, he's just really uh, just beautiful, gray, uh, Norwegian mountain breed oh. with three legs. Oh, <laughs> so, I love it. When he's running, it's just a blur of limbs. But uh, Yes, yes, exactly. Oh. So, and he actually, he does the jumping, like, he jumps from one. He has, like, um, a margin of errors, you know, before he managed, but he eventually managed. He reached <laughs> to the other level, you know. Russia, so, thank you so yeah. much. Give give a tripod the cat a squeeze from us, won't you? Thank you so much. Love catching up with you guys. Um, and love taking your questions too, although I have to say the experts are in the studio. We've just been talking about toileting and I, I wondered if there has been a change in behaviour um, on the weeing, the pooing inside what should be your first port of call, Dr. Vito? Is it a case of ruling something out medically before you speak to a behaviourist or do you work together? Well, I'm uh, lucky enough that, uh, you know, that I can contact Anna. We can actually work together. But indeed, uh, it would be nice to rule out uh, if there are some uh, metabolic disorder uh, for uh, urination. Obviously, we have to make sure that we don't have any cystitis, you know, and uh, or uh, defecating. Um, there are different reasons why a cat can soil outside of the litter box. It uh, can be a, a change of, uh, you know, metabolic disorder like mm-hmm. a, a liver disease sometimes or a simple uh, uh, osteoarthritis when they get old so sometimes they cannot get in and out easily and they end up uh, doing that so it will be very nice to at least rule out everything before we uh, we do the, the you know and Nana if someone is fostering or indeed adopting an older dog who perhaps hasn't been trained to mm-hmm. you know go when walking or hasn't had that environment can you teach an old dog new toilet tricks absolutely yes absolutely again with love and with patient this one is always the key but it's absolutely possible as soon as you have to imagine that maybe he was spending his life in uh, in the in a shelter so in a box so for him going in and out is something that is uh, you know strong and uh, and also something that is not is unusual for him mm-hmm. so but if he starts for example when we are walking him short work and he's peeing or pooing in that moment if we provide I don't know a treat at the beginning or a cuddle or something like that one we are start to explain to him what is nice what you are doing so and exactly ignoring as I told you before mm-hmm. if he's doing something inside so it's just that but it's absolutely possible I've got one very quick question that I want to squeeze in from Isabella saying, whenever Gucci, the Persian prince, (laughs) finishes using the litter box, he always cleans the floor outside Mm -hmm. of it with his paws. What does that mean? Quick answer, Anna, if you don't mind. Maybe the litter tray that he has is not so big. Maybe it's too small for him. But because what he's doing is normal, he's trying to cover his business, and sometimes staying inside is uh, very difficult for him for the size. So he will continue to do that, and also outside, just outside the litter tray. So check every, that one. Every day is a school day. Doctor Vita and Anna can be found at Vets and Pets, where they do work really closely together. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, I'm going to pop by with Gary the cat. Absolutely. Okay. I just need to <laughs> bribe him into the cat carrier. Anna, I might need your help on that. Absolutely. Thank you so so much award-winning vet in the studio really appreciate your time
And thank you for downloading this episode of the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe. You'll get it direct to your phone as soon as it's out. And you can listen to me live on Dubai Eye 103.8, Monday to Friday between 2 and 5 p.m. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.